Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, amen. Great singing this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, chapter number four. First Thessalonians, chapter number four. If you'd also, while you're turning there, um, just make note. If you'd pray for Shelvia Loving, Shelvia is um, fell and broke her leg and has been in a in a rehab center, and they're heading back to the hospital with her because of an infection. So she's been for the last month or so, just really in bad shape. So if you'd pray for Shelvia, I know that she would appreciate that. And also, um, if you'd pray for Ray Spencer's family, Ray passed away uh, last week as well. Ray was a longtime member here at the church and um, uh, Ray passed away. Funeral is going to be tomorrow. The viewing will be today from two to eight. And then uh, tomorrow here in the auditorium, the funeral will be here at 11 o'clock, and so if you'd like to come either today, uh, there at the funeral home, um, or at uh, the church here tomorrow, 11 o'clock, I know the family would appreciate that, but uh, pray for the family if you would, please. Ray graduated high school in 1948 or 49, and uh, I've just visited uh, Ray the week before he passed, and uh, he um, said, go get that uh, um, book over there, and it was it was his his yearbook from his, his graduating class. And uh, he just brought me through and boy, he could remember things from the 1940s like they were yesterday. And so we're sad to see him go, but we're happy for him. We know that he's in heaven. And um, so if you pray for his family, I know that he would, they would appreciate that so much. First Thessalonians chapter number four. Let's begin reading in verse number one. Furthermore, then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Father, I pray today that you would be with us as we open your word. Thank you for the time of worship, the time of singing this morning, the focus, Lord, upon your son. And Lord, I pray that you are pleased with that. We do thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the salvation that we have because of him and through him. And so, Lord, I pray now that as we open this book, that you'd speak to us. Lord, today, there's many in this room that need encouragement. So I pray that through this message, you'd encourage hearts. Lord, some today may need conviction, and I pray today that your Holy Spirit would convict. Lord, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Lord, I pray that we would draw close to you. As we look at this thought, this topic of sanctification, Lord, I pray that you would um, enlighten us, that you would give us something from your word, Lord, to challenge us. And I pray, Lord, that we would live lives holy unto you. So we pray, Lord, you'd help us today. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. 
The apostle Paul wrote this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable unto God. God desires for his people to be holy, to be different, not to follow the lust of the, this world, but to be set apart, to be different, to acknowledge him and glorify his son. The Apostle Paul is preparing the church here at Thessalonica for the Lord's return. And every one of us, as we look at this book, one of the challenges that I personally find as I'm studying through this book is the fact that this is the reality, that Jesus Christ is coming again. We're going to see in the weeks to come that Jesus is going to come, and he's, the, uh, the trump's going to sound, and the, and the uh, dead in Christ are going to rise, and, and those that are alive and remain are being caught up in the clouds to be with Jesus Christ forever. And what a wonderful, glorious day that is going to be. But Jesus Christ is coming again. And it's easy for us to lose f focus of that. It's easy for us to lose sight of the reality that Christ is coming and that we are to be living this life not for the things of this world or the lusts of our flesh, but that we are to live in this world so that when Jesus Christ returns, that every one of us hears this, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The apostle Paul lived his life to one day meet Jesus Christ and hear those words. He often would refer to his life as a race that he was running. And the end, the end was not what you could acquire here upon this earth or what you could leave as you passed and what you inherited here, but his, his end was when he saw Jesus Christ, he wanted to hear well done. And the Apostle Paul is teaching this church, this young church at Thessalonica, that Jesus Christ is coming. In this church, they're eager to see the return of Christ. They're eager. They can't wait to see him. They were, they were waiting for his coming. Everything that they were doing was revolved around the reality that Jesus Christ was coming again. Paul sends Timothy to see how this church is doing. We saw this last week in chapter number three. Paul's not able to go and check on the, the affairs of this church, but Paul wanted so badly to see how this church was doing. Remember, this church is just a young church. This church was there to encourage Paul when Paul needed encouragement. This church was there to encourage the brethren all around this church and to be an example of what a faithful body of believers would be like. And Paul sends Timothy, and, and Paul then gets a report back from Timothy that this church is doing well. This church is standing fast in the Lord, and this church was encouraging other churches in Macedonia and Achaia with their example and their testimony of serving the Lord. They had an example of Christ-likeness. This young church was an encouragement to the Apostle Paul because they, had, they, they lived and they loved the Word of God, and they were disciplined as they followed the Lord. Salvation changed this church. They didn't just add religion to their lives. Salvation changed them, and that was the example that this church had. Paul continues in chapter number four, as we read here this morning. 
he continues in this chapter to build on this example of godly living. And he uses this word, look with me if you would again, in verse number one of chapter four, four furthermore. Or, or, or you could say this, adding to this, or continuing to grow. Don't stop at good, follow holiness. I want to I preach this message today. Don't stop at good, but follow holiness. I'm concerned if we're not careful that we are looking to have good lives when we as Christians ought to have holy lives. We're looking to raise good children, but the reality is this, we need to raise holy children. We want to have good marriages, but we need to have holy marriages. We want to live good lives, but the, but the, the goal of the Christian ought to be to live a holy, sanctified life. I guess you could say this, good is not good enough. What is good enough for the believer? It's holiness. It's holiness. This church had a good report. Look with me in chapter number three in verse number six. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you twice in this verse, Paul uses that word good. Timothy had a good report. But Paul says in verse number one of chapter four, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that he have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying good isn't enough. Holiness is what God is after. God's not looking just for good people. He wants his children to be holy people. God's not looking for just a good church. He's looking for a holy church. And I pray today as we look at this passage of Scripture that the Lord will convict us. The Lord would help us today. The Lord would cause us to see that we ought not settled just for good. And so, number one, I want you to write this down in your notes someplace. Don't settle for good. Don't settle for good. These Thessalonians had a good report, but Paul was encouraging them to live a sanctified life. Look again if, with, you, with me, if you would, please. The Bible says this in verse number three, for this is the will of God even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That word sanctification, if you'll underline that and mark that, that word sanctification, it's the action of making or declaring something holy. The process of sanctification takes deliberate action on our part. Now, there is some confusion about these words, sanctification or justification. Justification, I've, we've taught this, and you know this, I'm sure. Justification happens the moment that you're saved. 
The justification to remember this is just as if I had never sinned. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of you. Your sins are forgiven. You are washed as white as snow. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. You are a child of God. In that very moment, you are justified. There's not a process of being saved. Salvation happens in a moment. Salvation happens in a, in a moment of time when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, His grace and His mercy, it saves you. In that very instance, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that, that God has risen Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's in a moment. But sanctification is a process. The minute that we're saved, we're justified, but we're not sanctified. There's many a people that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they're, they're, they're continuing to live lives like they did before they were saved. There should be a difference in our lives. Now that we're saved, we're not just good people. We ought to be holy people. We don't just, we don't just do good things. We ought to seek to live a, a holy life because God said that He is holy, therefore we ought to live holy. The church belongs to a, a holy God. The church, you and I, we were bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul is challenging the church to be holy. Now look what he says again in verse number three, for this is the will of God. How many of you want to know the will of God for your life? Good. We're going to see it here today. The will of God. He says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God's desire for each and every one of us is that we would continue in the sanctification process. And he says this, that you should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. That vessel would be this body, the body that you have, this flesh that we battle with. And Paul is going to speak to this church on this topic of sexual sin or fornication. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul tells the church at Corinth to flee fornication. Now, Paul is going to write the church at Corinth because they were involved in a lot of uh, sexual sin. Paul, we don't find here in this book that Paul is, 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 is admonishing them because of what they're doing, but Paul is setting an example to them saying, you've lived and you've done and you have a great report, but I'm going to take you to this level of sanctification of holy living, and this is how a person that is living a holy life ought to live. He says this, to, to abstain or flee from fornication. In Galatians 5.19, Paul said to the church at Galatia, the works of the flesh are adultery, fornication. Fornication is never seen in a positive light. Fornication is an action of a person's flesh desiring something that it is not for the Christian to have. In 1 Corinthians 10, 8, 10, 8, the Bible says this, neither let us commit fornication. Ephesians 5, 3, the Bible says this, let not fornication be named among you. 
And this is just a, a few. I could go on and on and on about how a Christian ought to live a life, a pure life, a life that is sanctified unto the Lord, not letting this flesh have its way, not letting the lust of our flesh lead us, but rather be submitted to the Spirit of God in living sanctified lives. Now, church, we are living in an over-sexualized society. It's destroying relationships. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying homes. It's destroying our youth. And we're being controlled by our passions and not holiness. Now, oftentimes when we come to church, we want to preach what's wrong with the world, and the world needs to get right. But I want to remind you today that today the church is gathering today, and as Paul is writing to this church at Thessalonica, he's not writing to the world. He's not saying that the unsaved world ought to be holy. What he is saying is this, if you are a child of God, God, if you have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you, my friend, and I ought to live holy lives. And one way, the first way that Paul says this is to flee or abstain from fornication. Fornication is sexual sin. Sex outside of the confines of marriage is sin. That's where you're supposed to say amen, church. Any sex outside of marriage is sin. Paul says that we ought to flee from this. It is not God's will. Look with me again in verse number three. For this is the will of God, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now hear me today. Today's message might not be a popular message. Today's message, I'm already starting to sense today. It's going to be a little quiet in this room today. But I want to encourage you that we're going to continue to preach what God's word says. And God's word says this, it is the will of God to abstain from all sexual sins. It's God's will. And so if it's God's will to abstain from it, then it would never be God's will to be involved in it. Now, today's message, as we look what exactly what Paul is writing to the church, is a message that I believe that all of us need. Because we're living in a world where sex is just something casual. Matter of fact, the question that's asked in many of younger generations is, what is your body count? Meaning this, how many people have you been with sexually? And that's appalling to God. God's desires for you to only know what the relationship, the physical relationship is within the confines of your marriage, never outside, never outside of your marriage. He says, flee from this sexual lust. Verse number three tells us, if you want to know God's will for your relationship, Mark this down, stay holy. 
If you want to know how to have a better marriage, stay holy. If you want your children to walk with God, teach them to stay holy. We as children of God should not be involved with sexual sin, is what Paul is saying. We should be settling, setting a, a proper example for our children to follow. The church ought to be a place where young people can come and see the proper example of what marriage ought to look like, of what a husband and wife, how they ought to treat each other. In, in your home, they ought to be able to see, if you're raising children, they ought to be able to see what a proper marriage, a holy, sanctified marriage looks like. And it's when a husband and a wife are, are pure, when a husband and wife are committed to each other, when a husband and wife are, are fleeing from any, any lustful thoughts or any lustful actions when a husband and wife keep their commitment that they made before God and keep it only unto themselves. Church, I want to caution you, parents specifically here today, be careful what you're normalizing in your home. If you realize this, that Satan is doing everything he can to normalize sin. He's doing everything he can to put in front of you, put in front of your children, put in front of uh, society, that sin is normal and that sin ought to be celebrated. In a Christian home, sin should never be normal. In a Christian home, sin should never be uh, embraced. Matter of fact, I would say this, in a Christian home, when sin is seen, it ought to cause embarrassment. It'll cause us to blush. The stuff that's happening in our world today ought never find its way into a Christian home that is seeking to be holy. And that means this, some may have to stop watching their favorite television show. Some may have to stop watching their favorite movies. Some may have to stop looking at what they look at. Some may have to stop going to their favorite website. Some may have to get rid of their computers. Some may have to throw out your tablets. Some may have to turn off your phones because you ought not let unholiness into your home if you're a child of God. We got to flee. And Satan is doing everything that he possibly can to bring this spirit into our homes. And Paul is very clear here. He's calling this church to holiness. Be careful what you normalize. As a parent, I never want my children to think that sin is acceptable. I never want to put anything before them that causes them to question what the Word of God says or what mom and dad are doing, which is right. I want them to always know that the Word of God is always right. Living for God is always right. Being holy is always right. Being sanctified is always right. And we ought to be showing that in the example of how we live. I can't sit in front of my children and watch something or be, be a part of something that is, is unholy and then expect my children to live lives of holiness. Now, some might say this. Some might say, well, fornication, that, I've, never, I've never been involved in fornication. Jesus said this, if you thought it in your mind... You've committed it. 
Church, I want you to add this to this area of being holy. And that is this, pornography is destroying homes. Pornography is, is, is fornication. Pornography is bringing in the sinful, lustful pleasures of this world into a relationship that never should exist. Pornography is you allowing your passions to dictate what you're looking at. A child of God, there's never a point where a child of God that is seeking to live a holy life, a child of God that is seeking to live a sanctified life should ever find themselves lusting after anything they see in pornography. Let me just simply say this. Pornography does not belong in a sanctified, holy, Christ-like home. It's sin. But it's becoming more normalized in society. Pornography is the lust of your flesh. It's fantasizing in your flesh. It's wicked. It's sinful. And no child of God should be okay with it. It goes against God. It's wicked. It destroys marriages. It destroys homes. It doesn't add anything to any right relationship. Anything that you would learn or anything that you would get from any sinful pornographic site, and you try to bring that into the confines of your marriage, you're bringing sin into your marriage. And it's wicked. And Paul says this, flee fornication. Jesus said, if you think it, you've committed adultery. We need to be holy. We need to teach our young adults, our teens, that staying pure till they're married is an honorable thing. It's holy. And it is God's will. Listen to me, parents. My, my daughter had some guy, some boy, some kid she's dating over. <clears throat> He's probably sitting in here. And he came over yesterday. There was a group of people, and she went up to her room. And I thought I was sitting down there trying to enjoy this wonderful event that happened at noon yesterday. And he and they come in the door, and she went upstairs, and I thought he followed her up the steps. Well, it started in my feet. It went all the way up. I thought to myself, there's no way that boy just went up to my steps. There's no way. There's no way. So I yelled. I said, babe, get the body bag, because I was going to kill him. He didn't. I don't know what I saw. But I thought what I saw, it wasn't true, and I'm glad it wasn't true. But I thought to myself, there is no way, no way ever, there's going to ever be a young man following my daughter up the steps into her room. Never. One of the most embarrassing things ever for my daughter-in-law my son marries her. And my son's cheap. 
So if he can get free rent, he's getting free rent as long as he can get free rent. So there is no way he's going to get an apartment and have to pay for an apartment while he could get free rent. So he goes and he goes on his honeymoon. And I said to him, I said, before he got married, I said, bud, what, what's your plans? He said, well, dad, my thought was I'd just go all the way on the honeymoon and we'd just come back because I've got a drill the weekend after that I get married. So I'm just going to come back. I said, well, you're going to do what? He said, yeah, I thought just Sydney and I would stay here. Now it's weird. That's just weird. Cheap, cheap and weird. I said, bud, you're newly, you're newly married. You want to get your own place. He said, I know dad, but you know, places cost money and, and, and my room is free. And I said, bud, I don't know how to say this any kind of, but we don't want you here <laughs> with your, with your wife. We want, you, you gotta, you gotta go, leave, leave and cleave, but no cleaving here. Well, he does, he comes back from their honeymoon and it's quiet. Nobody knows what to say, like, how are you doing? And, and then she follows him upstairs. It was the weirdest thing ever. The first time that girl was ever up in his room was after marriage. Now, listen to me. Some of you, some of you think that you could let hormone-raging young people alone behind a door and nothing's going to happen. Let me just kindly tell you this. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. And God gave you to your children to be their parent. He said, well, my kids just don't want to listen. Well, be the parent in your home and teach your kids to follow godliness and teach your kids to follow uh, uh, holiness and teach your kids what the word of God says and pray that your kids want what God wants for their life and follow the will of God, but don't let your kids raise themselves. They're going to make a mistake. They're going to fall into sin. They're going to get themselves involved in the things. And hold, listen to me to this morning. Listen to me this morning. You do not need to continue to try out and find out what you like before you get married. You know, there are certain things that wait until you're married. This isn't me. This is God's word. And we're raising good children, but we're not raising holy children. Because I'm afraid so often our young people are coming down this aisle and they're no more pure than somebody, unlo uh, somebody unsaved. And we ought to be teaching our children to live lives pleasing to the Lord, lives that are following God's will, lives that are abstaining fornication, lives that are abstaining uh, uh, um, uh, youthful lust. We need to teach our young adults that staying pure till their marriage is honorable, it's holy, and it is God's will. It's God's will. We need to be a people 
that love God enough to live for him. We need to be a people that love God enough that we consider him. And we need to be a people that love God enough that we follow him. Write this down, number two. Number two, I can't see that clock on that back wall, so I think I have another hour. The Bible says this, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. Do you get that? He that despises, despises not man. When you decide to live a life, when you are treating someone disrespectful, when you're not, when you're not honest, when you're not respectful to someone else, you're not, you're not defiling them. You're despising God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. In this area of holiness, Paul first speaks of living a life of physical purity. Secondly, he looks at this treating the brethren fairly or being pure between the brethren, honest, respectful, never trying to take advantage of a brother in Christ, treating one another like they belong to God. Each and every one of us here today ought to treat the other person like they belong to God. Think about that. If you belong to God, God's the creator of this universe. You know, when something, when someone, when somebody borrows something or or uses something, you want them to, to take good care of it. I had a fella ask me one time, he wanted to use my tiller and it was brand new. It was actually, it was my dad's when my dad died and my dad never, never used it. And so I took it and I don't know how to use it. So I had it in my garage. It was brand new. And this fellow saw it in my garage and he said, Hey, could I, could I borrow that? And I said, sure. And I forgot even borrowed it. Well, about eight months later, he brings me this, this jacket, this coat, and I said, what's that? He said, well, it's, it's for you. I said, what's it for? He said, it's, it's for your tiller. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. Where, where's my tiller? He said, I broke it. I said, you did what? He said, yeah, like, I guess you're supposed to put gas and oil together. And uh, I did, and I burned it up. So here's a jacket. I said, well, I don't want your jacket. I want, I want the tiller. He said, well, the tiller's broke. You don't want that. <laughs> I thought to myself, so you borrowed something. You didn't take care of it? You didn't bother to, to read how to take care of it and read how to use it? You just, you just used it and then, and, then, and then broke it? It didn't belong to you. Listen to me. God is through the Apostle Paul is telling us how to treat the brethren honestly and respectfully, to treat them like they belong to God. We should never be offensive. We should never be abusive. We should never try to to get back at someone. We should always treat someone honestly and respectfully. This is what holy people do. They're fair. 
They don't try to get even. They treat people with respect because as they're treating that person, they're treating that person like they would treat God. And, and, and look with me in verse number eight. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. And this is the difference here. And this is where there's no excuse. Who hath also given unto his holy, us his Holy Spirit. God has given us his spirit. And when we are yielded to his spirit, his spirit will control us. You know what God's spirit will always lead you to do? Holy living. Always. His spirit will never lead you into sexual sin. His, se his spirit will never lead you into dishonesty, in, in treating someone poorly, into treating someone disrespectfully. His spirit will always lead you into holiness. Now, you can take this in any relationship, a husband with a wife. A spirit-filled husband will always treat his wife with holiness, like she belongs to God. Listen, that day that you did say, I do, and you became one flesh, let me remind you that you still belong to God. I can't just treat my wife however I want to treat my wife. I can't just do to her whatever I want to do to her. I don't just say to her whatever I want to say to her. Why? She is a child of God. And I'm going to respect her. But I call her names. I'm not going to put her down. I'm not going to belittle her. Why? She's a child of God. And I want to respect her. You see... If we would learn what Paul is teaching this church at Thessalonica as it's putting our bodies, our lust of our flesh into subjection, and as we're putting how we treat people into subjection, allowing the Spirit of God to minister to us, allowing the Spirit of God to lead us, if we would be obedient in that area, it would change every relationship that we have. Even when it comes to our children, you realize this? Children are a heritage of the Lord. God has blessed you. If you have children, they're a blessing from God. They belong to God. And you are to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, listen to me, church. If you are a Christian here today, God has blessed you with children. You are to raise those children to give them back to God. Just like Hannah prayed, God, give me a child. And God gave her a child. And he, she took Samuel and said, all right, Lord, here's your child. Yes, she birthed that child. Yes, God gave her that child. But she raised that child so that child would serve Jesus Christ. Every one of us as parents ought to treat our children that they belong to God and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that when they're ready, they are going to give themselves to God and they'll serve God in a holy life, with a life pleasing to Him. And then lastly, I'm done with this. Look with me in verse number 10. The Bible says this, And indeed, and indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren that ye increase more and more. What's he speaking of? Verse number nine, but as of touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. But he says this, you know it, but I want to encourage you, increase more and more. And then he says this, I want you to study to be quiet, to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, 
and that ye may have lack of nothing. Thirdly, I want you to write this down. Paul is teaching this church proper love. Proper love, holy love, Christ-like love increases more and more. He says this, I want you to study to be quiet, do your own business, work with your own hands. You know what he's saying? Just be quiet. Mind your business. You know, so often, don't we always have an opinion for everything? How many have an opinion for everything? I do. You walk into a room and you had an opinion. You walk into a situation and you have an opinion. You know what Paul says? Just study to be quiet. Mark this down, you know, we don't always have to be talking about others. Stop bringing others into your business. You know, more people are mad at other people because of what they heard from someone else, not because of what they experienced from that person themselves. Many a people have an opinion about someone else not because of what they experienced, but because of what they heard. You know, Paul says, study to be quiet. I don't have to tell someone else what I think about something else or someone else. Now, this is about holy living. Now, yeah, I know when, when you hit on fornication and pornography, yeah, that's good preaching, but when you hit on gossip, wait a minute. This is godly living. For what reason? So that we can walk honestly toward them that are without, that we may have lack of nothing. This is what Paul is saying to this church. I want you to live in such a way that the lost people see there's a difference. There's a difference in how you live. There's a difference in how you communicate. There's a difference in how you love. And that difference is this. It's Jesus Christ, his spirit that's living inside of us. Every single one of us that are a child of God ought to be living a sanctified life, a holy life, different from the world. And it ought to be seen in us. My marriage ought to be the most heavenly thing on earth. My home ought to be the most heavenly thing on earth. Why? Because that's where God's people dwell. Church ought to be the most heavenly place on earth. Why? Because it's where God's people have gathered. Fornication doesn't belong here. Gossip doesn't belong here. Disrespect doesn't belong here. Talking about people don't belong here. Holiness belongs here. And reverence belongs here. And Christ belongs here. And exalting Him belongs here. And heaven belongs here. That's what we ought to be about, church. Not the things that our flesh enjoys. Not the things that our flesh wants. We've got to be about Christ why? Why is this so important? Because Paul is reminding this church in the very next verses that Jesus Christ is coming again. And oh, my friend, we've got to make sure that this is on the forefront of our mind, that at any moment, the trumpet of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and the rapture is going to take place. And those that are left on this earth are left for God's wrath and destruction. And we've got to be busy about our father's business. We've got to be busy about getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. But guess what? A lost and dying world doesn't want what some of us have. Because we don't have anything better than they have. 
We ought to be living holy lives so that we can be an example to a lost and dying world so that they can see Jesus Christ. So they can see holiness and righteousness. They can see Christ and they can see themselves in need of a Savior and they can repent of their sins and turn to a loving, gracious, heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, and be gloriously saved. That has to be our mission, church. That has to be what we're after. And that's why we have to put away fleshly lust. That's why we have to treat each other with dignity and respect. And that's why we must have proper love that's increasing more and more because Jesus Christ is coming again. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.